Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Draft Show for January 24th, 2024. My name is Chris. I'll be your host. And we got some things to talk about today. It's the first episode of the Cowboys Beat Draft Show for this season. It's happening way earlier than I expected because the Cowboys lost way earlier than I expected. But that's besides the point. We're here now and we're talking prospects. Draft season is one of my favorite times of the year. Definitely the offseason, no doubt about it. So the topics we're going to be getting into, should Chicago move on from Justin Fields for one of these quarterbacks at the top of the draft? We're going to be going over who should go number one overall, and I got five guys that I'm going to bring up to you in terms of scouting reports. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. One of the biggest questions going into this year's NFL draft is should the Chicago Bears keep Justin Fields so that they can draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick? And I think that the answer to this question is pretty simple. The Bears should absolutely move on from Justin Fields and draft one of these quarterbacks. I want to ask you guys a few questions here. I want you guys to answer these questions. I'm going to give you my answers to these, but I just want to hear what you guys think about this. Is Justin Fields at $40 million, which is probably around the range he's going to be getting paid, is he better than Caleb Williams or Drake May at $8 million a year? You know, I'm hearing that. I'm hearing people say, oh, well, you know, the Bears should just pick up Justin Fields' fifth year option. You have Caleb Williams, who I think is one of the best quarterback prospects of all time, if not the best, right there staring at you in the face, okay? You have Drake May. If if Caleb Williams isn't your cup of tea, you have Drake May, who is a very good prospect as well, who if they were in the same draft, the 2021 draft, Drake May would be graded higher than Justin Fields, probably by a tier, okay? So you have two guys that I think are going to end up being better pros than Justin Fields. And my question to you is this. Okay, let's just say you give Justin Fields another year or two. Are you sure that you're going to be in a position to draft one of these type of guys? No, the the Chicago Bears are not going to be in this position again, guys. The Chicago Bears have a really good chance to win a lot of football games in the upcoming years here. Okay, even with Justin Fields as their quarterback. But my question to you is this. What is the ceiling of this football team with Justin Fields as their quarterback? Divisional round, maybe NFC Championship. This is about Super Bowls at the end of the day, okay? And when I talk about their ceiling, I'm talking about two, three years from now because Chicago made some really good improvements with their team this past season, and I expect them to continue to progress forward. And I think that they'll make the playoffs next year, regardless if Justin Fields, Drake May, or Caleb Williams is their quarterback. But I think this is a very simple answer here. It's Caleb Williams. Go go draft Caleb Williams number one overall or Drake May, whatever your preference is. You're going to have an extra $32 million to play with. I like that idea, right? You can go out, put more guys around the young quarterback that you're going to draft. You can re-sign some of your players. Absolutely. That is the smartest way to go about this, Okay. What is Justin Fields' ceiling is another question that I want to ask you guys. I think that his ceiling is back half of the top 10 of quarterbacks in the NFL. Ask yourself this question. Who are the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL? It goes, you know, somewhere along the lines of, you know, 
Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Dak Stafford, CJ Stroud, Kirk Cousins, uh, Jordan Love's probably somewhere in there. Again, I, you know, this is just spitballing off the top of my head. Does he have the potential to be one of those guys? Maybe the back half of those guys, okay? But when I look at Caleb Williams, I see a guy who has top five potential. When I look at Drake May, I think that that's a guy who could potentially have top five potential. Who are the guys that a lot of people say are top five quarterbacks? If you were to ask people their top five rankings, it would probably go something like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. You know, maybe not in that order, but somewhere along those lines, right? You have people who will put Stafford or Dak with the way he played this year, or, you know, a lot of people had Jalen Hurts in there last year. You know, can can Justin Fields be as good as those top five guys that I talked about, not just like those honorable mention guys that I threw in there? Can he be better than Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lamar Jackson? I don't think he can. I don't think he can. He's going on year four now, and I don't think that he's a top 15 quarterback. He hasn't shown me it. He hasn't shown me it. Caleb Williams, though, for sure. I think that he has the potential to be a top five quarterback in this league. You know, this guy is one of the greatest force multipliers that college football has ever seen. I mean, USC's team was terrible, and he won a lot of games with that program over the last two seasons here. Okay? Now, granted, they had some offensive pieces on their team last season. Defensively, they were a mess. And it was the same story this year. So what is Justin Fields' ceiling? Can he be a top 10 quarterback? He can be. I don't think he will. Caleb Williams for sure will be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, if not a top 5 quarterback in the NFL. And at the end of the day, the main question that I'm asking is, is Fields at $40 million, which... If you're the Bears and you're keeping Justin Fields, you ultimately want to pay him that money because that means that he's worth that money. But ultimately, if you're paying your quarterback $40 million, he's probably not that good of a quarterback. I'm just keeping it real with you, right? Because the top guys, you think Josh Allen's taking $40 million a year? You think Lamar Jackson's taking $40 million? Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you think they're taking forty? million? Nope, they're not taking $40 million a year. You know, I know Patrick Mahomes signed his contract a few years ago. I don't know the exact numbers to that contract. But if he were to sign a contract today, would he take $40 million now? You know, you, you're getting paid below market value. You're paying your quarterback below market value because he's not, he's not one of those guys. He's just not. Caleb Williams, I think he could be that. And that is just the ultimate question that the Bears have to ask themselves. And once they get a, a, an accurate answer to that, then I think they're going to make their decision. I think they're ultimately going to end up paying Caleb Williams. I do think that's what's going to happen. Or Drake May. I keep saying, you know, Caleb Williams definitively. But Drake May is a, pro, a really good prospect that a lot of people are very high on. So I even think that Drake May at $8 million a year, much, much better option than Justin Fields at $40 million a year. And I get it. You're not paying Justin Fields $40 million a year this year. You're going to pay him a, uh, or, you know, you're going to exercise his fifth year option if you do ultimately end up staying with him. But I don't think that's the right way to go about things if you're the 
Chicago Bears. You know, go get a new quarterback. You're going to have a ton of cap space to play with in the next uh, next few years here. I want to bring up something to you guys. So not only do I think that just talent-wise, Justin Fields isn't going to be a top-five quarterback over the course of his career ever. He's missed four games in 2023, missed two games in 2022, and he missed five games in, uh, or no, I'm sorry, two games in 2022. Yeah, 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 I was right. And five games in 2021. Now, I understand he wasn't like the starter for a bit there in 2021. I don't know the exact week in which he became the starter. But, I mean, he's not he's not healthy all the time. You know, what's that? That's 11 games in three years. And I don't think his ceiling's that high. And that's the main reason why I would move on from him if you're Chicago. You know, and I think that Chicago is actually an appealing place to go if you're Caleb Williams. How many times do you get the chance to go to a seven-win football team? The Chicago Bears are trending upwards, you know? And not only that, they have the first pick and the ninth pick in this draft. Now, it I I I would really be interested to hear how the Bears think of their left tackle, Braxton Jones, because I like him. I think that he's a good I think he's a good left tackle. Um and I don't think you need to move on from him and upgrade, even though there are some really good tackles at the top of the class here. Darnell Wright, they drafted him last year. You know, I, I haven't really been keeping up with him, but I, I I haven't heard bad things about the guy. You know, Tevin Jenkins is on the interior. Maybe they need to improve the interior of their offensive line. They can do that in free agency or, you know, if they trade Justin Fields, get a second, third round pick, whatever it may be. You can go draft another interior offensive lineman, and I think that your offensive line is at least above average um, to go along with DJ Moore, Cole Komet, uh, Darnell Mooney's okay, you know, um, but the, you know, that's one thing that I'm going to sell Caleb Williams on. If he's seriously considering not going to the bears, which I don't know why he wouldn't do that. Right. Again, seven win team, decent enough offensive line. At least they have decent pieces on their offensive line. Um, Bring in Shane Waldron from the Seattle Seahawks. Did you see what he did with Geno Smith? If he can do that with Geno Smith, he can make some magic with Caleb Williams. You have DJ Moore on the outside. So you have a, a number one receiver, above average offensive line, and they have another top 10 pick in this draft. But see, here's the thing. With that ninth overall pick, it's kind of in a, a dead zone there, right? Because if I'm Chicago, I'm looking at drafting another receiver, um, because if I'm going to draft a quarterback in number one, I want to pair him. Like I want to make that a more appealing option to say, okay, we'll draft you number one and we'll go get a receiver as well. Um, there's three receivers at the top of this draft that just separate themselves from the rest of the class. And that is Marvin Harrison, Jr. Malik neighbors and Roma Dunze. Um, I think there's a real chance that all three of those guys are off the board come pick nine. So if I'm Chicago, I'm talking to LA right now, LA might be interested in drafting one of these receivers to, you know, pair with Justin Herbert, maybe get younger in that department. They drafted a receiver in the first round last year. It didn't work. Now, are they the type of front office to say, all right, we swung and we missed. Let's try again, you know, because some front offices are like that. 
hey, we got this kid Malik Neighbors. We really like him. But I think that they need to get younger on the defensive side of the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if they go defense in the first round. And if they do decide to go defense, the Chargers, I think it would make a lot of sense for them to, you know, uh, trade up in this draft, that being the Bears, with the Chargers so that the Chargers can go pick up somebody on defense because the top eight picks in this draft there's a very real possibility that they're all going to be offense but I think come pick nine I think all those three guys Adunze Harrison Jr. definitely and neighbors are all going to be off the board and I want to get one of those guys to pair with DJ Moore because then I got you know either Caleb Williams or Drake May coming uh, into this program and they have a top 10 pick receiver, top five if you do end up trading up with the Chargers. You have DJ Moore, who is an established veteran, number one receiver, solid tight end in Cole Komet, all the pieces on that team. And they have a, a pretty damn good defense, too, that I think is going to continue to get better. They need to re-sign Jalen Johnson. But, yeah, I think the, I think the, the decision is pretty clear here. Move on from Justin Fields and go pick up one of these quarterbacks. Another big question that people have going into this draft is who should be the number one overall pick. Now, if the Bears keep Justin Fields and they keep the number one overall pick, they're going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. But if they trade Fields, they're going to draft one of these quarterbacks. And if I'm drafting one of these quarterbacks, I'm going with Caleb Williams. And that's no disrespect to Drake May whatsoever. He is a very good prospect. But I think that Caleb Williams is one of the best prospects that the draft has ever seen. He is an incredible talent. And, you know, I don't think you go wrong with drafting the guy who is the consensus number one overall pick for the past few years here. You know, ever since we saw him at Oklahoma, we all expected him to go number one overall. I don't think you're going to get fired as a general manager if you draft Caleb Williams number one overall. Now, if you draft Drake May number one overall and Caleb Williams turns into everything we think he can be in the NFL you're going to you're you're going to face questions as an NFL general manager. No doubt about it. So, I think Caleb is the correct answer. And here's the thing, right? You know, Caleb Williams gets highly criticized for this past season, but I want you guys to understand this. Caleb Williams is one of the faces of college football. He's been that ever since we saw him uh come back in that Red River Red River rivalry game against Texas. He's been one of the faces of college football. So when he makes a mistake, it's a lot louder because of who he is. But Drake May makes mistakes as well. You know, he didn't have this great season either. And US UNC didn't win a bunch of games this past season. They were eight and four in the ACC. Okay. USC was eight and five. They played in the Pac-10, which is one of the best. It was the best conference in college football this past season. Now, granted, you know, one of those eight wins was the bowl game that Caleb Williams didn't play in. Fair enough. But, you know, some of these losses that USC had this past year, I mean, they lost to Oregon. They were ranked sixth in the country at the time that they played them. They lost to Washington. They were ranked fifth in the country at the time they played them. They lost to Utah. They were ranked 14th. 
Notre Dame ranked 21st, and UCLA, who had an incredible defense this past year. And Caleb Williams had a very good game against them. I mean, he was running for his life. I mean, he had no pocket whatsoever. It seemed like, you know, as soon as the ball was snapped, somebody got beaten. He had to escape the pocket and make a play. And to his credit, he was making plays in that game. And then you look at UNC's losses, right? Um, You know, North Carolina State, 22nd in the country when they played him. Clemson, he was terrible against Clemson. Georgia Tech and Virginia were the losses that UNC had this past season. Now, look, I'm not a Windsor quarterback stack guy, especially when it comes to, you know, rating prospects. But I know there are people out there that do think in that lens. And if you do think in that lens, like, yeah, you know, USC uh, lost one more game than UNC. But when you look at the conference in which USC played in, I think you have a better understanding as to why they lost so many of those games. They weren't a complete roster. Caleb Williams was that football team. The defense was not good this past year, right? He didn't have the weapons that he had uh, last year when he had Jordan Addison, who was a first-round pick. So the team around Caleb Williams was worse than it was last year, right? And when we talk about, you know, the external factors when it comes to Caleb Williams, I'm, I'm not... I'm past the uh, external factors thing, right? Last year, they tried to tell me that C.J. Stroud shouldn't be the number one overall pick because of the S2 cognition test. Uh, You know, he might not be a good processor at the next level. Well, rookie season, he was one of the best processors in football this past season. You know, oh, well, he didn't go to the Peyton Manning Passing Academy. You know, that says a lot about his character, yet... He'll win a he'll win a football game and give glory to God in the post game interview. Okay, so I'm I'm not buying these external factors that get put into you know the evaluations by teams. Quite frankly, that hope that these quarterbacks fall to them, right? Because I can tell you this: I bet the Texans put out bad press about there out there about C.J. Stroud because they wanted C.J. Stroud. Hey, don't draft him. Don't draft the the significantly better prospect, which is how I looked at C.J. Stroud. I thought he was a significantly better prospect than Bryce Young. Okay, I really do. I, I, I really did think that at the time. So that's why I'm not considering these external factors. In, in the grand scheme of things, you don't know these guys like that. Okay? And when you look at the talent that Caleb Williams is, I mean, here's the thing, right? Bad bad people, which is not what I, I'm not putting that on Caleb Williams, not whatsoever. Okay, don't don't think that I'm doing that. But I'm just saying, bad people do not make locker rooms worse. Bad players do because what do they always say? When you're winning, that masks up everything. If you're not a great leader, but you're winning a bunch of football games, nobody's going to talk about it because you're winning a bunch of football games. Look at Jalen Hurts in Philly. They were winning a bunch of football games last year, and now they're not. And now there's people questioning his leadership. Things get masked up when you're winning football games. And when you have a quarterback that could be as good as what Caleb Williams could be, you're going to win a lot of football games. And if there are deficiencies in his character, they're going to get covered up by the fact that they're winning football games. So I think people are starting to have this Drake May quarterback one take due to the fact that you know there are some external factors when it comes to Caleb Williams but I'm not buying I'm not buying those factors and quite frankly Caleb Williams is the number 1 overall pick in this draft 
he should be, and he's he's the best prospect in this draft. So now is the part of the show where we're going to be going over some scouting reports. We're going to start out with Caleb Williams, quarterback from USC. Height 6'1", weight 215 pounds. His stats over his college career, 2021, his freshman year, 1,912 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt, 21 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 64.5% completion percentage, 11 fumbles with a 169.6 passer rating. 2022, 4,537 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt, 42 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 66.6 completion percentage, 6 fumbles with a 168.5 passer rating. 2023, 3,633 yards, 9.4 yards per attempt, 30 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 68.6% completion percentage, 16 fumbles with a 170.1 passer rating. Spent 2021 at Oklahoma, where in his first shot, at playing real time, he helped Oklahoma beat Texas coming back from down 35 to 17. Attended Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C., where he was ranked a five star recruit by on three rivals and 24 7 sports and rated a four star by ESPN. Caleb brought his team to a WCAC championship as a sophomore, was on the Washington All Metropolitan team in his sophomore and junior season. The only reason he wasn't able to get it his senior year is because his season got canceled because of COVID. His pros are that he has an incredibly, he has incredible arm talent, accuracy on all three levels of the field. Excellent out of structure playmaker, which is big because in the NFL, 80% is out of structure. I think he has really good pocket presence. There are some things that he needs to improve on, right? Holds on to the ball for too long at times, you know, bails from clean pockets at times, but we'll talk about that in the cons. Um, Potential to be excellent within structure. I want people to go back to 2022, watch that California game. I think you see, um, you know, some real glimpses of him being able to play at a high level in structure. Underrated ability to run with the football. I feel like if he wasn't as good of a thrower, the football that he was or that he is, that people would be talking about his running ability a lot more. Uh, He's the type of talent that can operate efficiently without great surrounding pieces. Lightning quick release will be deadly in a system that incorporates RPO and he deals with pressure well. The cons are that he wasn't asked to play under center at all in college. He's going to be asked to do that in the NFL. Holds onto the ball for too long at times, like I talked about. Didn't play in a pro style scheme. You don't necessarily see that type of scheme in the NFL. Doesn't have the ideal quarterback size. Like when you talk about ideal, you're talking about, you know, 6'4, 6'5, 220, 230 around that range. He doesn't have that size. And he fumbles far too often. I mean, 16 fumbles in his junior season and 11 in his freshman season. Cleaned it up a little bit there in his sophomore year with only six, but even still, you know, definitely have to improve on that. I got a first round grade on him. I think very highly of Caleb Williams. Next guy we're going to be talking about here is Drake May, quarterback out of North Carolina. Height, 6'4", weight, 220 pounds. Stats, 2021, his freshman year, 89 yards, 8.9 yards per attempt. One touchdown, zero interceptions, uh, 70% completion percentage, zero fumbles with a 177.8 pass rating. I mean, he got in for... A little bit there his freshman year. I mean, he only attempted 10 passes. So, you know, not much there. But 
2022, 4,321 yards, 8.4 yards per attempt, 38 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 66.2% completion percentage, 7 fumbles with a 157.9 passer rating. 2023, 3,608 yards, 8.5 yards per attempt, 24 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 63.3% completion percentage, 3 fumbles with a 149 passer rating. He attended Meyer Park High School where he was a 5-star recruit by 24-7 Sports and a 4-star recruit by ESPN on 3 and Rivals. Named second team All-American and Max Prep North Carolina Player of the Year as a junior, led his team to a 12-1 and record and to the third round of the state playoffs, played basketball in high school as well for three years where he averaged 16.1 points per game and 11.3 rebounds. The pros are that he has elite arm talent. He's accurate, can make throws on all levels of the field, good with timing as well, mobile, can make plays in and, in and out of structure, should make an easy transition to the NFL, and he cut down on his fumbles his junior year, right? He had seven in 2022, cut that down to uh, three in 2023. The cons are that he puts the ball in some bad spots. And when you look at his junior season and compare that to his sophomore season, his sophomore year was better than his junior year. You know, so that's something to take into consideration as well. He he can improve within the pocket. Sometimes he'll run into sacks, which you know, not a great look. But I th- I think that he can improve on that in the NFL, and I think he needs to improve on getting uh, through his reads as well. Sometimes he'll he'll progress slower than you would want him to progress through his reads. But I got a first round grade on him. Obviously, you know, one of the best prospects in this draft. Let's talk about the first receiver we're going to talk about, Marvin Harrison Jr. from the Ohio State University. 6'4", 205 pounds. Stats, 2021-11 receptions, 139 yards, 12.6 yards per reception. Three touchdowns, zero fumbles with a drop. 2022, 77 receptions, 1,263 yards, 16.4 yards per reception, 14 touchdowns, one fumble with three drops. Uh, 2023, 67 receptions, 1,211 yards, 18.1 yards per reception, 14 touchdowns, zero fumbles with one drop. He attended St. Joseph's Prep from, uh, or, in three of his four years after transferring from LaSalle, which, by the way, if you're in tune with that Philadelphia area football, um, going from LaSalle to St. Joe's Prep is like going from the Eagles to the Cowboys. Like, that's how he did that rivalry is. Um, he was a five-star recruit from On3 and a four-star recruit from ESPN, uh, Rivals, and 24-7 Sports. In his three seasons at St. Joe's Prep, he helped the team win three consecutive 6A PIAA state championships. He was also voted to the PA All-State team three times in his high school career. Pros are that he has a good and athletic frame for an NFL receiver with room to build his frame. Elite route runner, good at selling routes and getting in and out of his breaks. Elite ability to track the ball. Versatile receiver as he can play on the outside and in the slot. Elite contested catch receiver. And he's also an athletic freak as he ranked number two on the Bruce Feldman freak list. Cons are that he goes down on first contact and that he could stand to put some weight on his frame. I got a first round grade on Marvin Harrison Jr. 
He is one of the best wide receiver prospects the draft has seen in a very long time. And uh, deservedly so. Deservedly so. This guy is a tremendous prospect. While we're talking about receivers, let's move on to Malik Neighbors, uh, wide receiver out of Louisiana State University. Height, 6 feet. Weight, 200 pounds. Stats, 2021. 28 receptions, 417 yards, 14.9 yards per reception, four touchdowns, zero fumbles, and six drops. 2022, 72 receptions, 1,017 yards, 14.1 yards per reception, three touchdowns, one fumble, and four drops. 2023, 89 receptions, 1,569 yards, 17.6 yards per reception, 14 touchdowns, zero fumbles, and five drops. Attended Camo High School in Louisiana for his first three years and transfer, transferred to Southside High School, where he was a four-star recruit by rivals on three, 24-7, and a three-star recruit by ESPN. He wasn't able to play his senior season due to his transfer waiver being denied. He was also a three-sport athlete as he played football, basketball, and track and field. Pros are that he's a versatile receiver as he can play flanker, Z, and X receiver. Explosive athlete, excellent after the catch. Strong hands and able to make some impressive catches. Elite route runner out of the slot. Elite ball skills as he's great at tracking the ball and making plays on the ball. Very physical receiver. Cons are that at times he gets off balance coming out of his routes. Will need to improve his route tree as an outside receiver on the next level. And needs to be quicker getting in and out of his release. Sometimes, you know, he'll be in his release and he'll... He'll be too cute with it instead of just, all right, I'm going to shake you off at the line of scrimmage and now I'm getting into my, into my route, right? Sometimes that can disrupt timing when, you know, you're, you're working so hard on getting out of your release and then, all right, I need you to be at a five yard depth on this dig route or slant or whatever it may be. And you're not there in time because you're taking too long getting out of your break. You know, get out of your break, get into your route. And make sure that your quarterback can be on time with his throws. Grade, I got a first round grade on him. Um, you know, I, I haven't gone over every receiver in this draft yet, but the three guys that people are talking about are Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze. And uh, Malik Neighbors definitely ha- has a legitimate case to be the number two wide receiver in this draft, no doubt about it. So for our final scouting report of the first episode of the Cowboys Beat Draft Show, we're going to get into the offensive line here, talking about Olu Fashanu, offensive tackle out of Penn State. He's 6'6", weighs 319 pounds. His stats, 2021, zero sacks allowed, zero quarterback hits, zero hurries, zero pressures, one penalty, 84 left tackle snaps. 2022, zero sacks allowed, one quarterback hit, six Hurries, seven pressures, zero penalties, 542 left tackle snaps. 2023, zero sacks allowed, zero quarterback hits, 10 hurries, 10 pressures, four penalties, 721 left tackle snaps. He attended Gonzaga, where he was a four-star recruit by 24-7 Sports, three-star recruit by ESPN and Rivals, and not rated by On3. He he helped Gonzaga to a WCAC title with a 9-3 record as a junior, earned all WCAC honors as a junior and senior, named honorable mention to the All-Metro team as a junior, also played basketball as a freshman. Pros are that he is a prototypical 
NFL left tackle. You look up NFL left tackle in a dictionary, and there is a picture of Olu Fashano. He's an elite pass protector, really good footwork and pass protection, really good hand placement and pass protection. He has a really good anchor. He has really good awareness when it comes to picking up stunts. Uh, he has the potential to be a better run blocker, but has yet to reach that potential. Bounds can be an issue at times. He also plays with high uh, pad level at times. But, you know, when you talk about these upper echelon prospects, a lot of the cons that you're going to come up with are, you know, kind of nitpicky in a way. I think that this is a very good prospect. You know, I did watch Joe Wall a little bit. Is he as good as Joe Alt? I don't think so. I'd probably rank Joe Alt a little higher than Olu Fashanu. But I have a first-round grade on him. So, um yeah, you know, it's going to be a deep class for offensive tackle, and Olu Fashanu is definitely going to put his name in there as potentially the top tackle in this upcoming draft. So that is going to do it for the first episode of the Cowboys Beat Draft Show. I appreciate you guys for coming out. Love talking about the draft. Love bringing these prospects forward to you guys, talking about scouting reports, and um, it's it's my favorite time of the offseason, no doubt about it. I mean, I go back all the way to 2006 when it comes to the NFL draft. You know, the draft with, um, you know, Reggie Bush and Liner and uh, Mario Williams. You know, that's, that's where I go back to. And, you know, I, I'd always remember waking up on, you know, a Saturday morning. Back then, I was 10 years old, Radio City Music Hall in, in New York. That's where, you know, the draft used, used to take place. And, oh, man, I used, to, I used to love it. I used to love it so much, man. And I still do. I love talk, I love the draft. But, you know, that's those were some of the more fond days of my childhood. Like, all right, cool. Saturday morning, I'm waking up, draft time. Let's do it. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys for, for coming out. And uh, stay tuned. I'll see you guys in the next episode.